We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. Use subscription code DUCKGUNPOD at checkout to get 10% off on White Rock Decoys and products. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Josh from Outdoor Limits. And if you're on YouTube at all, you know exactly who I'm talking about. One of, if not the biggest, waterfowl channels, solely waterfowl channels on YouTube. And he has great content, so make sure after the podcast to check him out on YouTube if you haven't already. So anyways, we go over everything from hunting in Kansas, the upcoming season, YouTube stuff. So anyways, without any further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting alongside me. And we got Josh from Outdoor Limits joining us today. How are you doing today, Josh? Doing well, yourself? Doing great. I appreciate you joining us. We've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Heavily requested guest. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in the schedule finally lined up for us to do it. So pleased to be here. Yeah, really excited about it. Awesome. So you've been uh, up to some crazy stuff this summer. What you been What you been up to uh, leading up to duck season, Josh? Well, um, I was working in Nebraska all summer, so duck season was really not on my uh, first plan of agenda for thinking about things. But once I got back here to Kansas, it really kind of sunk in, and I'm just kind of taking little preparations every single day and getting ready. But my main focus right now is dove season, and with the season opener being on Saturday. That's just something I really want to get out and do and have a good time doing it. How many dove hunts will you end up going on, you think? Just the opener, or will you do some even through September? Well, it just kind of depends on the birds. And, like, we've got a decent amount of birds here, and I went scouting over the weekend, and things look pretty good. So I'm hoping that it's not, like, a slaughter on opening day to where I can get, like, a few hunts out of it throughout the week, uh, especially with it being a long weekend of Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to hunt. Um, and then teal season's the weekend after that. So it just kind of depends on what things are looking at, but hopefully I'll get four or five hunts out of it. So do you guys hunt, um, over like pond water or crop fields for dove? What, what do you guys normally do? Well, it's usually crop fields, things around here haven't been that great in the past, but this year the sunflower fields look amazing and there's birds using them. They've mowed strips and it's just looking really, really good for this year. So you guys are in public then? Yeah, public land. Okay. Uh, you know, when I tried I... that for the first time last year, going out to public lands with the, the daisy fields, mm-hmm. or the sun, wow, daisy fields, <laughs> sunflower <laughs> uh, fields, and um, it was so crowded. It was so crowded out there. That's the only issue I have with at least my state. I don't know how uh, Kansas is um, for the doves in their public lands, but yeah. Yeah, I found like when the fields are more crowded, like there's a point where it's too crowded, but when there's enough people on a field, 
it's uh it's pretty nice because the birds don't like fly to the other end of the field and sit it just keeps birds mm-hmm. moving all day long so i don't really complain about having too many people on a dove field i think you can tolerate more people around you during dove hunting probably than like waterfowl hunting yeah like if you have somebody set up with like 50 yards from you when you're duck hunting that just pisses you off so (laughs) if you're able to just get that distance during duck hunting 300 yards perfect I will say, I think yeah. that you're a little more relaxed about people setting up close to you at duck hunting, even though than I have been in the past. Cause I remember at least one video, you're like, Oh, this guy's like 50 yards over to the right. You know, and yeah. my videos when they're 50 yards away, my uh, temperament's a little bit different than <laughs> your relaxed one. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I just, I'm, that's how I am. I'm just kind of chill, go with the flow and like, you know, it happened, whatever. But you on public land, you really, you got to go in expecting it. So if it doesn't happen, that's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the, it's the quest on public land is to find places where people, you can shoot ducks and people won't crowd up. And it's like, okay, that place I know is going to be really good, but I'm going to be circled by people mm-hmm. that place over there. Maybe not as good, but I won't be circled by people. It's, yeah. I don't know. I think part of that is fun. Though. I mean, part of the strategizing about that is fun. Oh yeah. When, no, I think it was like two years ago. Uh, I think the video is 30 minute limit. Um, things just did not look good. It was a real early season. It was like early November, like a week and a half, two weeks into the season. And we were scouting and I was like, you know, these birds, they're not hitting the marshes, but they're going just beyond this, these trees by the river. Where are they going? So it's just, it's that fun part of knowing and putting the pieces together and turns out we found like a little backwater slough from the river that all these teal were going to. And I mean, we go, we go in there the next day after we found it and we shoot a lemon to teal in 30 minutes. Yeah. Nice. Those teal hunts can be over fast. Yeah. But this was, this was just a bunch of green wings. So oh, that, nice. that was even more fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's nice to find little spots like that. Uh, that's kind of the same way I found what I call my honey hole, you know, mm-hmm. just right off the, the mainstream and yeah. You get back there off the river and find some awesome gyms like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing about our area is that Josh and I don't live that far apart, probably a couple hours, I think. Um, and watching your videos and your reports, I don't know whether it's a little bit of a different fly flyway or something. Cause there's times where you're seeing tons of birds and I'm not. And then there's times where I'm seeing tons of birds and you're not. And I'm like, Shouldn't it pretty much be, I mean, we're only like a couple hours apart. I would mm-hmm. think it would be more if it's good for both of us, but that's happened multiple times. It's really strange. Yeah. Especially last season, last season, you guys were just like demolishing them out there and we, we didn't have anything. It was rough. And then the year before is complete opposite. We're, I mean, every time you guys went out, you were limiting and we were just like, oh man, that was the worst year of my life. Yeah. Which just happens to be, in fact, the, like the two of the worst years of my life were the first two seasons that yeah. I ever put on YouTube. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> hey, at least you got to own it. It's humbling. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So what do you do at that point? Like, uh, at what point is it worth driving that two hours? I mean, if you only got two hours to get to the limits, I mean, let's ju- I might jump in my car. Let's just say <laughs> I. Uh, this was the weekend before finals week last year in December and we had scratch for birds, nothing lined up for the weekend. So I call my buddy Brady who's in Colorado and say, Hey, you got birds. It's like, yeah, we got a whole bunch. So we leave at like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, 
the weekend before finals week at that. And we drive to Colorado. We get there at like six in the morning and we're out hunting that same day. And we stayed nice. for Saturday and Sunday. And the Sunday morning hunt was the morning we scratched out a 14 man limit. So what's the, what's the drive home on something like that? Like <laughs> that was awful. It was, uh, it was rough. It was rough. Like tons of caffeine and taking turns or, or what? No, I think Luke drove the whole way home, actually. <laughs> he seems pretty crazy. Yeah. He seems he'd be up to the task. Oh, yeah. So so what's it like uh, hunting with 14 people? I think the most I've ever hunted with was six. 14, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, I went into it going, 14, guys, this is going to be nuts. But the way we had it set up, it's not like you're in layout blinds or like um, – I wouldn't maybe like an A-frame. I've never hunted out of one before, but when you're butted next to people on layout blinds, like it can get crowded and you're like trying to funnel all the birds into one area and it gets difficult. But we were wearing our Tyvek suits and laying in snow socks and we had a good probably three yards between all of us. So it spaced us out really well. And we had two pockets that the birds were going to. Uh, we didn't play the wind right that day, but it just seemed like the, everybody got a chance to shoot because there were such big bird or big groups of birds because they were lessers and snows. So, you know, if it was a mallard hunt, it would have been totally different from being lessers and snow geese. So it, it, I guess it came down to the species and how we were hunting that, you know, 14 guys, it really didn't make a huge difference to me. Could you tell what birds you were dropping with 14 people? You generally know um, when they get in close like that, like GoPros make things look way farther away than they actually are. So, yeah. you know, you could have a bird at 20 yards and it looks on a GoPro like you're shooting 60 yards. Yeah. But um, when you're getting that close, you shoot, you follow through, you know, you hit it. I mean, somebody might've also shot at that bird at that point, but you generally know. Unless it's banded, then everyone. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's got to get in on that. Yeah. Banded yeah. birds are hard to come by though. I, I shoot, we, uh, my group shoots about one every five years is kind of what it's come out to over the last 25 years. Yeah, I've, I've never seen one. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll all pile up. It'll happen. Yeah. Maybe this will be the year. Shot one I'm surprised you shoot season. so many geese because I think geese are a lot more likely to have bands because the local ones tend to get around here, tend to get banded a lot more. So it's yeah. surprising you haven't shot a banded goose. I'm not surprised about the ducks, but the, I would have thought you shot a goose. Yeah, me too. Those golden boys <laughs> shot. Uh, I think he's got three or four bands of on geese just in the last, in the last couple years. Huh? He's picking them up like crazy. None of those on video or what? yeah. Um, one of them was on video. Yeah. On the ice, okay. the, the river ice hunt where we shot our limit. Yeah. That's something I've always wanted to do is hunt the river. Never well, you come up, but we can do it if you want. Yeah, that'd be sweet. The problem with the river is that you have to hit it just right. It's like mm -hmm. the conditions have to be right. You've got to find the birds because scouting that river is really, <laughs> really hard. And then that time of year, you can't run a boat up and down it and all the land up and down it is, is private. So like finding where they're out on the river at the right time, it's, it's, it's just like they pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. Sounds. Yeah. Do you ever go sandbar hopping on the river? Um, well, define what you mean by that. So I've heard of people setting up on sandbars um, mm -hmm. and then they just kind of hop between different ones throughout the day. Um, like, like they'll move their boats down mm -hmm. the river? Um, 
most of the time that river is so shallow that even moving up and down it, even with like our surface drive is really, really difficult. So yeah. you just have to hit a year. Our, our main, what we normally do is we put on, we go as far as we can until we start flushing birds yeah. and then we set up. But what you really need is an airboat. If you had an airboat on that river, in fact, they out of more Western, there's a guide that actually does it. But if you were to have an airboat on that river, when it froze, you could shoot. I mean, I can't even tell you how many limits that you could shoot. I mean, cause you get like pockets of birds every mile, you get two to 5,000 birds just sitting and they're just all up and down that thing. But as far as you have to have the perfect conditions to kind of hop, like you're saying, and if we yeah. were going to do it with the first, the first bunch we kicked up, we would just set up right there. Yeah. Cause they'll probably more will come back to that hole that they kept open in the eyes. Yeah. Cause it's normally so cold that you, I mean, they fly all day. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not like, it's not like even the ones that you're flushing may not be coming back. It's just, and when you get that many birds up and down the river there, it becomes real easy, but just accessing it is what's so hard. Yeah. I believe that. You think uh, right now is a good time to jump into this or yeah, that? Yeah, perfect. All righty. Well, let's jump right into it. And uh, first slide, just a little, <clears throat> uh, introduction for the people in the comments um elliot's gonna drop the link for you guys to vote on this as well so the way it works is you just pick between the two josh and um so the first one is do you prefer to hunt ponds or marshes oh shoot that's a tough one because like you could have a marsh that's like super hot and then a pond that's not or you could have it the other way around so you know I love the way birds work into a farm pond. So I, I think I'm going to pick a pond. Definitely. Elliot. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go with the marsh and that's why we picked that question. Cause you guys do so much like private pond hunting. I was, I was curious as to what your answer would be. Um, I've done some pond hunting more back. Well, all of it is back central part of the state, but um, I'm going to go with a marsh on that just because of the number of, I guess the number, the number of different wildlife species you see on a marsh. Yeah, that's true. You do get a lot more of a diversity in a marsh than you do in a farm pond. But I don't know. It's just knowing, like, setting up after scouting it out, and you're like, okay, these birds are going to go out to feed. They're going to trickle in here in twos and threes, maybe some singles. And just knowing that when you set up is just, like, super awesome. Plus, sitting in a layout blind on the edge of a pond is a lot more comfortable than, like, being waist deep in a marsh. And knowing no one's going to walk in on you, too. Yeah, for sure. That, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one for me as well. Um, usually, usually the way we do this one is rivers or marshes, but, uh, since I didn't think you'd, uh, hunted any rivers in your videos as well, um, we kind of went with the ponds, but that does kind of put a twist on it. Um, and I've had a lot of success on, on ponds and marshes and, uh, I think I'll, I'll go with marshes though. Slide number two. What do we I'll, end up on that one? We had... Yeah. 75% marshes, 25% ponds. Yeah, give or take. And the next one, ducks or geese? Or mallards, bro, or geese? <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. such a great catchphrase you guys have, too. It really is a good... Just says it all right what? there. Mallards, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, what? I'd take ducks over geese. Well... Shoot, I don't. 
Why are you asking so many hard questions? I like shooting <laughs> both of them right in the face. <laughs> right to you. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. I would say geese are a little bit more special to me because we don't shoot as many of them. But nothing's better than just a group of three hundred ducks coming into you in a field. So I'm gonna go with ducks. Calling ducks is also a lot more fun for me. Yeah, I agree on yeah. that one. Elliot. Ducks. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, for me, it doesn't even have to be a group of 300 mallards. It's just just the overall like appearance of a, a duck, the way they work in, um, you know, calling them, everything. I just, honestly, I'm just more of a fan of greenheads than uh, I am of geese. Yeah, or like <laughs> when you got a mallard, just like 300 yards in the air, and then they just cup and hug themselves, touching their wingtips, and just yeah. drop like a cannonball into your decoys. That's, okay, that's probably like one of my favorite parts of duck hunting right there. Yeah. It's when they do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I will say with these, like <laughs> last year, those goose hunts we had on the river on, on ice though, those come really, really close to mm-hmm. any hunt. I mean, you're, we're shooting some of those 10, you know, groups at 10, 15 yards and, man, that's there. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. See, like whenever it's like textbook is when that's your favorite thing to shoot. So if you go out and shoot honkers, traffic him and get 30 yard shots at them one day, and then you shoot mallards at, 15 yards you're gonna pick mallards over geese any day but if it's the other way around you're gonna pick geese yeah mm-hmm. they're both fun to shoot and they're both fun to decoy so that's... what's next so we get a lot of geese in my area with all the um cornfields and stuff i'm sure you guys get the same stuff in kansas but uh, a bunch of the guys that i hunt with um say almost all of them say they'd rather hunt geese and they see geese are more reactive to the call they come better into the the set and i'm like man it's just crazy. It's just like, um, because I don't feel that way. I feel like ducks work better, but <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you guys, I'm sure you guys have both seen this as well, but have you guys kind of t- talking about the duck cupping in, but where a goose kind of turns all the way sideways mm-hmm. and they'll they'll shoot down in the spread just to drop. They just turn all the way sideways. They, that's they maple leaf down. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. And for the listeners, the final tally on that is 78 for Mallardsboro and 22 for Geese. And the next slide is early season or late season. Oh, I'm going to go with late season. Early season is just (laughs) brutal. It sucks because you just wait until about December for Mallards to come down. And you're just kind of just waiting on migration the whole time and you scratch out two or three birds. But once they get here, they're here and late season's where it's at because when you can find the spots for late season, it's going to be unforgettable. Um, on both public and private land, I've had late season public land hunts that were probably top notch of like all of my hunts that I've had. Um, I think it was the second half of the opener of the Southeast zone back in 26, January, 2016 shot my first canvas back there and um later on in that season we found these nice little holes in the ice that ducks kept open through the whole break in january and we went out and set up and it was just smashing them at 10 yards it was unbelievable awesome elliot um i definitely like late season i do love october pintails and when some of those uh, layout boat hunts we do in October are really, really fun. Um, and even if I can shoot a pintail or two a year doing that, I do love those hunts. But if I had to pick, I would 
I would probably go late season. Nice. I, I guess kind of a, a weird way, a weird perspective looking at it is, um, you know, early season, you're so pumped up just to get back out there. And late season, you've been doing it the whole way. So I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say late season too, but something special about early season too, just getting out there and early opening day or till season, all that stuff just gets you excited. Well, early season, when you have a really good north front come in in early season and you get a, a really nice mixed bag and the temperatures – you know, in the in the low 40s, and some of those days are really, really fun. And you're not like, you're not cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect time to take somebody new. Yep, for sure. <laughs> I took uh, my younger sister wanted to come on a hunt with me this last year, and it was like I can't remember, like five degrees or something. She got super cold. Let's just say that. <laughs> Luckily, we weren't out there very long. For the listeners, uh, late season, 73. Early season, 27%. Jump to the next one. And beard or no beard? <laughs> Question we ask everybody, so. Hmm. Like, you... having a beard or not having a beard? Yeah, yeah. Just It's, it's, kind of, it's not a serious question, really. It's just. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go with beard. I've had a beard for four years now. So, I enjoy it. Nice, ladies you love keep it. it. Pretty, you keep it pretty trim, though, don't you? You trim it up pretty. Yeah, I didn't used to. I used to be all into that like big duck beard thing. I'm like, no, this does not look good. When I see pictures from the past, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> it was bad. Oh man, there's a picture of me without a beard. Yeah, that's the last time I went shave. I went clean two year two summers ago. <laughs> My kids freak out if I shave. They get so pissed. They literally get mad. I was thinking. I was thinking about for duck season, just doing a stash. Oh, stash. yeah, it's kind of trendy. <laughs> yeah, I think it looked good. It looked real good. If you do one, I'm do not, one I'm at least like handlebar. I can't do like, you know, I don't have much that grows right here though. Handlebar down the side by the mouth or something. <laughs> no, nah, just just a nice little porn stash. Yeah, <laughs> just a dirty old stash. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably uh, I'll probably grow mine out again this year. I like I like to grow it out every duck season. Yeah, start fresh from the beginning. Yeah. All right, there's a lot next. All one. right, and the last one, and uh, Elliot, you're converting more and more people every time we do this one. But uh, full choke or modified choke? I should have modified. Yep. Any reason you don't shoot a full? Uh, I, I've just always shot a modified, and I like it. So, yeah, can't go wrong with that. That's good enough. <laughs> and I think I think a modified choke really gives you a little bit more versatility in the field, because you know if you're shooting a duck at 20 yards, you're if you're shooting a full choke, your pattern really hasn't spread out enough to really like give you a, a wider spread. But with a modified, I feel like you get a little bit more of. Uh, spread pattern on that so it, you can shoot 20 to 40 yards which is perfect for decoying birds which that's all you need yeah. we've been having this ongoing discussion about full versus modified in fact i've talked to the guys over at pattern master and i'm hoping we can have it actually like a choke expert on to talk to him but there's kind of this running belief that, that i'm hearing a lot from people that 
um, that are trying to say that full's actually better in close because you kill him when you hit him and and you'll kill more ducks if you use full and and from every single chart i won't beat this into the ground because we talked about it a lot but every single chart i've seen <laughs> it's like when you're shooting at 20, 20 yards a full choke is actually in like the red zone of 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 not effective choke to use at that range i mean you can't kill him but more and more people are saying is i use full because even in close i want to kill him and and it just doesn't match up with what any information I read about choke says. Yeah. So like if you've got even an open cylinder choke and you're shooting 15 yards, if you have the right shot size and right shotgun shells, you'll be able to kill them. It, it doesn't matter on the density. It just matters on the amount of shot hitting the bird and how good of a shot you are and the size of the shot hitting the bird. We just went out and patterned. So we're using sixes this teal season. Um, because Rogers was out of force when you normally use fours. So I went out and patterned those a couple days ago. And and I, I had been using improved during teal season um, the past mm -hmm. couple seasons and shot pretty well. But I, I patterned these sixes with modified. And I was I was just thrilled with how they patterned those sixes. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with modified during teal just because I, the even at like even at, like we did 15 yards, 25, 35, 35, even at 15, those sixes patterned great even with a modified at 15 yards. I was really happy with it. Good deal. All right. And just for the viewers, the or the listeners, 80% on the modified choke and 20% uh, on full choke. All right. And if, uh, if you guys are just joining us now, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. And uh, co-host Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube and our guest tonight. If you watch anything on YouTube for Duck Hunting, you probably don't need an introduction from, but Josh from Outdoor Limits. So um, I do have an agenda next, Jordan, for what we're talking about. Or All right, go for okay. it. Because um, I'm curious to talk a little bit about your beginnings with your fishing channel, how it transitioned into hunting, and maybe even where you see yourself in five, 10 years, what your goals are, just kind of like stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So I started the channel that I have right now, Outdoor Limits, when I was a senior in high school, I think it was like April-ish. And so when I was a senior and junior in high school, I really got into fishing, which I've always been into fishing my whole life. So it was just, I had more opportunity to do it because I was able to drive and I, you know, I could take myself and go whenever I wanted to. So I was like, you know what, might as well make a YouTube channel on it and see what happens. And so I tried it for a little bit and, you know, that's, you know, I went in working 40 hours a week in the summertime and it just kind of died and I just kind of didn't do it. And, you know, that back then the channel was called Kansas Fisherman. So it was a fishing channel. And then my freshman year of college, I think in the spring, I started getting back into fishing again. I was getting all excited. So I started posting more videos. And then I kind of stuck with it from that point because I, I saw a future with doing that. And I was like, you know what? Let's give it a go. Let's try it and see what happens. So that fall, um, I go ahead and I'm going duck hunting. And I start posting duck hunting videos. And this was my first season posting videos on YouTube for duck hunting. And it got a little bit of traffic any thousand views on a video but when you're first starting out that's pretty sweet seeing 1,000 2,000 views on your video you're like this is awesome and just stuck with it and 
And then after hunting season, I did a couple fishing videos and I just kind of buckled down with it. And then the following fall, that's when the duck hunting part of it really took over. And that's when the channel really blew up is the 2016, 2017 season. And I just, I improved my video quality and really just kind of formatted it to a way that is more than just putting a camera on and shooting some ducks. It was bringing the viewers along with me on my hunt and getting to share my experience. And that really caught a lot of attention from a lot of people and people liked it. So things grew throughout that season. And I think I ended the season at like 18 or 19,000 subscribers. And I was like, wow, this is pretty sweet. And, you know, that brought us to last summer. And then towards the end of the summer, I was like, you know, I need, I need to change the name. The name is not working with the content that I'm producing because I kind of went from fishing to more duck hunting stuff. And so I was thinking of names and then, um, you know, Kansas fisherman. And then I went and did Kansas outdoorsman for a little bit, but then I had a little bit of thing with that. So I changed it to outdoor limits. So then the name stuck. I was like, that's it. Not changing the name again. Just second time, not going to do it. So outdoor limits stuck and then just kept on posting videos. And then I started doing, um actually back when i was kansas fisherman i was doing the waterfowl wednesdays and doing how-to videos and tip videos and really kind of putting a lot of information on the internet talking about duck hunting so then people who are new to duck hunting or even people who have duck hunted for years and years can go on and learn some new things learn tips and tr tricks and see reviews of products that they might want to buy and just have a good time and watching hunts so you know, that's kind of the past of my channel here. And I, I do see a future in it and I see it going places. But um, with this being my senior year of college, actually my fifth year of college, it's kind of to the point now where I'm like, you know, this is, I would love to do this and make this a full-time job, but that's just not realistic. So this is going to be my last like season actually doing this and seeing is this something that I can do in the future? Like, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to graduate in May and get a full-time job and really do what I love to do on that aspect. But if the opportunity arises to where I can do this every day of my life, I'm going to take that. But um, just because I get a full-time job doesn't mean that I'm not going to make videos. Like Elliot, you have a full-time job and you still make these videos. So it's doable and it's just all about the time management. So yeah, I see a future in it and just the way things have grown last year and this year it's it's just growing faster and faster every single day and it's really exciting to see so the funny thing is it's like our channels are really ran side by side so your first season was basically my first season mm -hmm. and correct me if my memory is wrong but i feel like on our first seasons there wasn't hardly anyone else really doing kind of what we were doing with the vlogging and all that mm -hmm. um you had a you had a little bit of head start on me um, because you had been doing some of the fishing stuff, but on the first video of yours, I saw because you're you're fairly new to duck. Like that season one, that was pretty much one of your very first seasons duck hunting, wasn't it? Yep. It and was. so, which on a different note, the amount of knowledge that you have acquired in the three years is astonishing. Quite honestly, when you go I read from, a like, lot. Yeah, that, that was what I was going to ask you. Is like, where are you getting some of the information? Because I mean, I've been doing it for 25 and you're like three years, like as far as just 
what you're doing, how you're doing it. But uh, anyway, back to my other point. And so it, it was really like your channel, my channel, and you know, I mean, Fouled Reality was out there. But as far as our kind of genre of just mm -hmm. guys hitting record on the camera, it was you and I, and maybe a few others. I can't even really name one, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I have a, I have, um, I always say I'm gonna keep it real, so I'm gonna keep it real here. After season one, I was watching channel. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna step it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch Kansas Fishman, and I'm gonna take him down. And that year, it's like. That is the, not what happened at all. Yeah. Because I was making gains on you, making gains on you. And when you had that video that popped when you were wearing all those ducks around your neck. Yeah. It seemed like that was like, <laughs> and I was so, I wasn't mad at you, but at the time it was like, I'm competitive, you know? Yeah. Everybody's competitive. Yeah. And uh, I'm like it's frustrated. I'm like, oh man, I was like, what am I doing wrong? How is he just crushing me? But <laughs> since then, you've kind of done a, a clip of me about three to one. Um, but it just a really, our channels are really interesting side by sides because I yeah. always consider it kind of like we were kind of at the forefront of this new push of way to do it. And of course, then Bobby comes the next year and he mm -hmm. just, oh my gosh, like a tornado. But I think it's cool though, how we were at the forefront of it, no matter where it ends up and, and how far it goes, it's been a cool three year ride. I can say oh, for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I like you're talking about fouled reality. Like when when everything first started, they had I don't know, probably eighteen thousand subscribers. But I remember the day that I passed fouled reality and subscribers. I texted my buddy Adam. I'm like, dude, you're not gonna believe this. I passed subscribers with fouled reality. And That's no small thing. That's no small thing. No, it's like, no. Um, you know, that, they were the biggest guys on YouTube at that point in time, and the types of videos that you're producing. So it's like if I get on um, a fishing and I'm making fishing videos and I pass flare or whatever, like that's cool. Like that's a milestone. It's like, that's something you remember, but yeah. that was, that was a cool day. So I have my theory as to why, because really you're kind of homegrown homemade videos, waterfowl videos on YouTube grow faster. Those channels grow faster on average. Well, I don't know if on average, some of them grow faster than even like the grind, fouled reality. Do you have any theory as to why that is? The content. Because if you if you go on the outdoor channel and you watch like Heartland Waterfowl or something, they're going to have three minutes of duck hunting, three minutes of commercial, three minutes of here's where we're going, here's some scouting, here's another duck hunt for three minutes and then they have another commercial. It's when you're on YouTube, it's an unlimited platform for how long you want to portray your hunt. It's not just the kill shots and not just the preparation. You're walking the people through every step of the hunt and showing them the ups and downs and the before and after of the hunt. So you're giving them more content in a smaller bit of time than they would if they were watching those shows. And even on YouTube, the grind and whatever, they're still posting what they would have posted on TV. They just cater it towards YouTube. Yeah. And I think everything that you're saying is accurate, but I would also add in there is that those kind of channels, uh, those kind of shows don't really let YouTube viewers get to know the person personally. I mean, mm -hmm. anyone that's an avid fan of you or me, they feel like they know us. And, yeah. and on, on those more heavily produced shows, you lose a feel, a sense of the feel of the hunt on that day, you know, where it's like your channel is normally like you talk about it in the beginning you can feel the progression through the whole day and then you wrap up at the end. So your, your sense of the actual hunt is not lost, 
versus these others like a duck dropping and dying, a duck dropping and dying, an advertiser. You you lose the sense of the actual progression of the hunt, you know? Yeah, because they're trying to smash three or four hunts into a 30-minute block mm-hmm. instead of one hunt in a 12 to 15-minute block. Yeah. And I like their shows. I like those types of shows. Oh, yeah, it's, they're great. It's just, it's just an interesting time that guys like you and I can grow at a quicker rate than people that have all this big budget and it's pretty cool yeah well that's that's i really want to talk about i think there's something else i was gonna say but what do you think jordan no i definitely agree on all that we got dead silence (laughs) (laughs) is my oh is my mic not working oh you said one thing but you gotta no um (laughs) but uh and then now we've got like the second wave because another thing I found, and I don't know it the same way is like those first couple seasons for us getting on like the top list of your um, search pages were really easy. Now it's like so many people putting out videos that yeah. it can feel a little bit, a little bit lost sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think anybody from uh, Kansas has a little bit of an advantage apparently for YouTube duck hunting. <laughs> Seems like it, doesn't it? it? It's really crazy. It's like the mecca of YouTube. Because the three biggest channels. You think like somebody from Arkansas would have something? Like I'm sure there's yeah. guys out there that post videos from Arkansas, but like you think they'd be up there? See, I've I've tried to like hypothes- hypothesize this in my mind. Like, why is Kansas? Like, is it like just the perfect area where you guys are like? I don't want this to come across like the wrong way, but like you have like the technology and the duck hunting, like you're like close enough to cities, but like if somebody's way out in the, the sticks of Arkansas and they don't have like internet or something, they can't upload or, you know, maybe that's not part of their life. You know, they're not really thinking about the internet too much. I don't know. I've just ideas. Yeah. Well, if you really think about it, even like Foudry out, spends a lot of time in Kansas as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Flair nice. comes down into Kansas. It's, it's like the Mecca of YouTube waterfowl hunting. <laughs> Um, we've got a longer season and we've got pretty generous limits compared to other states. Yeah. Um, the weather is always right here. It doesn't get to the point where it's, everything's locked up, birds are gone. So there's, there's birds around usually the whole season. There's times where things do lock up pretty tight and it's hard to find the birds, but things generally warm up. I think the past two seasons, we've had hard freezes and then by the end of the season, every, there's open water everywhere. So I think the weather has something to do with it as well. Yeah. The only times that I have found where it's almost unhuntable is when you have like eight to 12 inches of snow and the temperatures have been like zero for four or five days. That, Mm -hmm. that other than that. And it's like you said, as soon as it thaws, that's the best hunting of the year. Yep. Like they're here in force when it thaws. We were talking to, uh, I think it was Dr. Duck that was saying down in Texas, it's like, they get a huge cold push and and even if they get any kind of freeze at all as soon as the temperatures go up the ducks are just boom they're gone and that that would suck and we never i mean just hardly ever lose all our birds yeah it's usually when open water freezes and they find other open water but they're there you just gotta find them they'll geese will sit on a pond until it melts through yeah you just gotta find them one of the things that's so impressive about um you guys is your your versatility to you know you guys are at the public marshes and then you're finding private ponds and you're finding 
fields to lay out in. And it seems like I, it's hard. I don't know exactly where you guys are out in those, but it seems like maybe your radius of where you're looking is pretty big as far as fields. Can you go through just a little bit about um, how you guys go about finding your fields? Cause it seems like it's a lot of different fields from year to year. It's not mm -hmm. even the same. What's your process with that? So yeah, we do, we do hunt a lot of different areas. So, I mean, some places we drive 45 minutes to get to it, but um the trick is to find a field is to find the roost and you can find giant ponds that are a roost for birds. You don't need to find a big lake or anything like that. If you find a big, like a rock quarry pond that is going to be deep and it's not going to freeze, it's a great place to start looking. But once you find the roost, follow the birds, just follow them, drive right under them early in the morning when they're going out to feed and they'll tell you where they want to go. And there's a lot of times where we can't get on the X. We can't get on the field that the birds want. So even if we're setting up in a field, it might not be the one that the birds were in that day before. Um, a lot of trafficking. We do a lot of trafficking. And especially last year. Last year was just a traffic every single day. But, um, yeah, to find the fields, you just follow the birds. The birds will tell you where to go. And if you have to traffic, just try and set up underneath the flight line and throw your deeks out and hope for the best. How much, how many times a week do you guys spend scouting? Well, uh, in the past, it's just kind of been, you can go scout, go scout. Or like before class, go and scout. Here's Friday evening. I got off work. There's time to go and scout. I'm going to go find the field for the weekend. Is so, it always you or do you guys kind of just every, Everybody, everybody does it like whoever has time to do it they do it um because your core group is you luke those are the only two i can really name is and lane and trey lane. um yeah so there's a good group of us so we we're able to like scout and really go around and take turns doing it that's where we get into a problem is the scouting is that mm -hmm. i know from where we hunt i know exactly where the flight line is i know what fields to look at but actually scouting it and doing it is that's another that's another deal mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a lot it takes time it takes time it does and when you're i guess when you're in an area long enough like i have you get to know the area you get to know what places are going to be the roost what fields are going to be hot what fields are not going to be hot so you're able to like focus your concentration at from learning those things in the past and knowing you know being able to predict this is where these birds are going to be going and if you're able to put the pieces of the puzzle together from the past years, I mean, some years could be completely different than others. Don't get me wrong. But I've found that generally your birds are going to roost in the same spots every year. And where they go from there is going to be up to them. But you can try and put like, okay, so you have one cold front come through. You have a new push of birds. They roost in the same spot. They go to one cornfield, then they get pushed out and a new group comes in. And that, that group is going to go to that cornfield again because there's still corn in it. And so knowing when a field's done, when the birds are going to use it, it's all coming in there. But um, it just takes time to go out and scout. Nothing's better. You can go on a hunch, but it's better to go in knowing this is what the birds are doing. Have you guys thought about going to silhouettes and socks at all? Or you yeah, guys, we, don't you we, mostly use full bodies? Yeah, we ran silhouettes and socks last year uh, along with the full bodies. But this year I'm going to be running strictly full bodies. But, we've got like i don't know we, we don't do a lot of goose hunting i would love to do more field hunting but we've got like 14 15 dozen of the silhouettes and socks now where we've always just we've never really had much goose it's so expensive 
so we're hoping that we can really put out massive spreads even like on sandbars in the river um things like that or if we can find fields and just um hopefully get into some more birds like that just with a bigger size set but silhouettes yeah. so something i found out with like canada socks is they're great decoys but i just i don't think they compare to a silhouette or a full body but they're great for like sprinkling in with your full bodies to give a little bit more motion in a field so i wouldn't go out using sock decoys unless i had a whole bunch of cacklers um, and you need those kind of numbers but with honkers you can get by with two three dozen full bodies and get the job done as long as you're in the right spot but sprinkle those those uh socks in and they'll add a little bit more motion to your decoy spread yeah where you're at is the key for everything to... isn't it <laughs> oh so, yeah duck hunting's easy once you figure it out you just yeah. gotta be where the ducks want to be yeah yeah make Maybe. sure your gun's loaded yeah <laughs> so going back to kind of your core group have you uh known those guys forever or you meet them all through uh um just duck hunting or or what well we all went to school together and um so my friend adam who's been in quite a few of the videos he goes down he's uh in school at pitt state so he's a couple hours away from me but um, is that the one that was uh is that the one sponsored by rogers yeah he's sponsored by rogers oh okay. wait no no okay. it's sick and out <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so we've been friends since like middle school, and he was actually the person that got me into duck hunting uh, my freshman year of college. So we went out a couple of times. We didn't shoot anything, but we went out, and it was still fun. But the guys that I've hunted with here uh, that lived here, I just kind of met them uh, my freshman year in the dorms. We got to know each other. And then Trey, I met him at a football game last year, so there's that. Um uh, I think it's pretty much it. That's kind of the core group. We just kind of met through school and school events. Nice. So well, we got any qu ready to move on to Q and a or. Yeah, I think so. I got some actually lined up here, so let's start going through got a good crowd tonight running over a hundred. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, someone asked where, where is FDH located? I don't know if you well, want. Well, Kansas. <laughs> Kansas. That's about as specific. And someone asked like where I'm located. The best of the 50 Indiana. States. Yeah. What is the rarest duck any of y'all have shot? And when are y'all going to hunt together? I'd say canvas back for me. I've shot, I think, three or four in my life. And I would put that as my rarest duck that I've seen. Yeah. I would say canvas back, but I shot a really weird duck last fall or last uh, January. It was like almost like half mallard hen, half mallard drake. It was really weird. Mm. Um, so that I guess that one's rare. I don't. I I still don't know what it is. I think it's in Lane's freezer at this point. Thought about getting it mounted because everybody said to get it mounted, but um, I don't know. It was weird. It might have been somebody said it was a hen that was just really old and it lost its estrogen and started producing features of a male. Um, other people are saying it's a gadwall and mallard cross. It's out of no clue what it is. Huh. It's a duck. There's definitely some mallard in there because it's got an orange bill with black spots like a mallard hen, but yeah. the chest is mallard hen. The head is mallard hen, but it's got green on the head and it's got Drake features, but it's too late in the season for it to be an eclipse Drake. And Eclipse Drakes have yellow bills. 
do you remember what the name of the hunt is, the video is on that one for people to go look at? I think it was like once in a lifetime duck or something. Okay. That was last season? Yeah, it was this past January. Okay. So people could go look at that last year's playlist. Or once in a lifetime bird. Uh, Mine was uh, a ruddy duck. (laughs) Yeah, those are cool. I want to shoot one of those. I got into those um, out west one December um, with a. It was the ice was just coming off this marsh out there, and. I got into a bunch of them and shot three or four on one hunt. Nice. None of them, none so of them that I've ever shot have been pretty at all. They've all been bland. <laughs> uh, they must plume yeah, late like bluing or something. Mine was a hen, so it was wasn't. I just thought it was rare. But um, next question: uh, Any early till tips on big lakes? Find the birds. Go ahead with that, Josh. <laughs> Find the birds. Okay. I've never hunted teal on a big <laughs> lake. I've always done it in a marsh. But, I mean, same holds true. If you're in the right spot, the birds are going to be there. So just get out and scout and find the birds. And throw spinners out. That'll help you out a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'd say the marshy sections of, of the lake, you're not going to find them in deep water. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Find two-inch water. Find your mud flats. If you find mud flats, you will find some teal hanging around, likely. Because those teal, man, they absolutely – they'll take – I think they'll take a mud flat over anything else. You give them two inches of mushy of water on top of mushy mud, and you're going to have teal there. On, but that's where I always look yeah, on the Aiden, big lakes. Aiden asked, Josh, would you say decoying birds on a pond is easier than public marsh? No. I mean, no. I, <laughs> it's tricky because it all comes down to um, your hide. And if your hide's good on a public marsh and you're in the right spot, those birds are going to decoy. If you're on the right pond and your hide's good, those birds are going to decoy. So it's not a matter of it being easier in one place or the other, because you're trying to do the same thing in both spots. So if you got everything white, tight, and right, those birds are going to decoy. Hopefully. Steven Hatfield asked, what is your guys' favorite duck meals? Like food, duck meal? Yeah. Meal, I guess food, okay. dinner. Mine's a Philly cheesesteak made with duck. Duck fajita over here. Oh, shoot. I can't decide between my chili, my brats, or my um, enchiladas. You did a video on the enchiladas, didn't you? Yeah, those were really good. Yeah. Yeah, my wife makes them into a like a Southwest egg roll mm-hmm. with like that corn salsa in it and stuff. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. insanely good. Yeah. If you can make brats out of them that, that they're solid. so good i actually had some for lunch <laughs> yeah aiden does that with geese turns it into uh brats and stuff and it is it is it's surprised i did not think it would be good it's surprisingly good you don't even it, i do summer sausage yeah that's good too when you make it into a brat it doesn't really have that ducky gamey taste to it as much because you mix it with pork so it gives it a mm-hmm. little bit fat and the seasoning kind of covers it up a little bit but you're still like eating the duck but it tastes really good. So do you do you do you brine your your meat and water? Yeah, I use salt water. I generally okay. do it for one to two days. Yeah, that changed everything with me as far as eating my game. Once I started doing that, it's like the whole flavor changed. Mm-hmm. Because you got to get that that blood out of it. That's gonna be your gaminess to it. Yeah. Owen oh, self asked favorite gear that you cannot live without. 
favorite gear? Favorite gear, just I guess something for duck hunting. Oh, they said beer. <laughs> Me too. No, no. <laughs> favorite beer, gear. I can't live without. Huh. <laughs> Are you a cheap beer drinker? I drink it all. My favorite beer is the Boulevard Tank Seven. Okay. Um, my favorite, the piece of equipment that I can't live without is my Sitka duck oven. Cannot that, live without it. That's that, uh, like, is that zip up? Yeah, here, I'll grab it. Yeah, so it's, um, it zips up. It's got a pocket right here on the chest and then it's also got pockets on the outside like if you're in your waders you can shove them right here by your boobs and then they've got fuzzy pockets down low uh, not a whole lot of pockets in it but you don't really need to carry anything but this thing is probably one of the warm it's it is the warmest jacket i've ever worn when i've duck hunted and it's windproof it's not waterproof so don't go falling in the water but cannot live without this i would you can wear a long sleeve t-shirt a hoodie and this and be good when it's 10 degrees outside wow now you're you're pretty broad shouldered when you when it's cold well, i guess if you're not having a layer i was gonna ask do your shoulders when i wear big coats like that my shoulders tend to get tight when i when i move but well, if you don't have to layer a bunch then you don't have that problem though, i guess yeah so this is just a large i, mean, I might have gotten fatter since last duck season but um <laughs> yeah you can i've worn i wear a windproof hoodie underneath this and that does me some justice, but this is so slim and sleek. It's not puffy like a Drake jacket is. Uh -huh. which I've got the LST 3-in-1 I wore before I got this. But this is – there's nothing to it. I mean, it's it, – Do you know how much those run for? About 300 bucks. But if hmm. you're cold and you buy one of these for $300, you won't be cold for the lifetime that this jacket lasts you. Hmm. But – yeah, I, I went would, away from right. I went away from coats probably seven or eight years ago, and I just layer vests because everything I had never bought a three hundred dollar jacket mm -hmm. like that. But everything that in cold, my shoulders would always just get so restricted that my shooting percentage would go down fast. Yeah. So I went I went away from those, but I better. That's if good. you if you go and try one on, you're gonna buy it. Um, my friend Adam <laughs> told me that, and so he bought one. They bought some other Sitka stuff, but um, it's not just hype or anything. It's really good quality stuff, and there's a reason why it's expensive. It's not just because the name is Sitka and it's top quality gear, or well, it is top. It's because it's expensive because it's good and it's going to last you a while and keep you warm, as opposed to a $100 Cabela's jacket that's really big and bulky. You can buy the $300 fully windproof and stay warm. In the coldest conditions. Nice. Yeah, I would love to have something. All right, like that. next question, Josh. Josh Dennis. Josh Dennis. There we go. What is your guys' favorite thing about duck hunting? Killing ducks. Yeah, it says a shooting ducks. <laughs> Greenheads. But more than that, it's it's just the time to get out and de-stress with people you really enjoy being with. I think that's yeah. and ducks gives us like we all love these environments. But for some reason, we won't go to them unless we're trying to shoot a duck. But once yeah. you're there, it's the whole environment and the atmosphere that just cleanses your spirit, you know? Yeah, so true. It's like 
just sitting out there. Like I'm looking forward to the Saturday with dove season open. I'm looking to just sit there in the middle of a sunflower field, mm-hmm. hoping a bird flies by. But before shooting time, I'm going to sit there drinking my cup of coffee, watching the sun come up and the birds and everything waking up. So it's going to be super cool. And that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts of it is just being out there. Being out there. Yeah. Yeah. Braden Saxon, Saxus, whatever his last name is. Um, Sorry, I butchered it. But what is your favorite brand of shotgun shells? I'm going to go with Winchester's. I mean, I don't have a a favorite. I'll shoot Federals, Winchester's, Heavy Metals, just kind of whatever. But my go-to shells are Winchester. They've never done me wrong. Um, And that's just kind of what I use. I don't... I not like super into the hype of heavy metal shells paint a buck 25 a shell that's no i'm winchesters and federals they do just fine for me i'm trying uh heavy steel this year or not heavy steel whatever their cheap brand is for heavy shot (laughs) i think it's heavy steel okay but heavy steel is just overpriced steel shot i mean it's a lot like it was cheaper than buying the um winchester super x because that's what i shot last oh season. really i yeah i got it for 11.50 a box hmm. oh i was I, and i i wasn't buying it by a case i guess for the super x which yeah. at my walmart it's 13 bucks so yeah. <laughs> i just gotta buy my case yeah i bought them yeah i bought two cases of shells for like 200 bucks nice yes yeah, so it's about 10 bucks then mm-hmm. That's about. I think we got our federals for I think eighty after rebate, but I don't even know where the receipt is, so I don't know if the rebate will actually ever yeah. take place. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about rebates. Yeah, uh, Steve. But we still got Hatfield. him for hundred a case. Nice. Steve Hatfield asked, "Do you put your layout, your layouts in a uh, a hole? Like dig dig them in the ground? It's pretty much what he's asking. Hmm. Do you?" dig your layout blinds into the ground a little bit i have done that once and that's because we were hunting in the middle of a cornfield that's been chiseled and plowed and there's no hide so we had to dig down and get low but other than that no we just put them on the ground and brush them up really good and then quack addicts asked josh the fields you hunt are mostly private right got any tips on getting permission um it just comes down to knocking on doors and talking to people and you know, the, you never know unless you ask. So figure out who owns the field, knock on the door, ask them if they say no, say, okay, thanks for the time. Um, but if they say yes, awesome. So Clayton Belden ask, I'm thinking he's asking for tips on socks, love socks, but I walk in a lot and they are lightweight. Um, so buy some thicker socks get some wading socks with merino he's he's talking about decoys (laughs) yeah i think so (laughs) (laughs) let's let's go get some just had the surgery recently so he's uh heavily i'm medicated let's get some dowel rods and merino wool socks and throw them up (laughs) make sure to paint them white all righty let's let's move on to the next one (laughs) Uh, somewhere in Wisconsin, how long did you keep your YouTube a secret, like not telling friends and family? Um, it was never really a secret. Like my my parents have supported me throughout, and I don't know, it's just it's YouTube. Like I guess in some places it's just like weird, especially when you're a freshman year of college and you're like, yeah, hey, I make YouTube videos. Like that's 
just not something that everybody does. So it can be awkward at times, but it, I think it kind of goes through through uh, phases. Like it's awkward when your channel's like so small mm-hmm. that people you're you're kind of embarrassed. People would be embarrassed. Like, oh yeah, I make videos, but you know nobody watches them. Yeah. And then you kind of get to your, you know, if you're your size, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I could I could just like walk down through campus carrying this thing, and people are like, oh yeah, he's legit. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's gonna be different than me just talking to myself on my iPhone. Yeah. I still, I don't typically talk to anyone about it unless they bring it up just because I feel like I'm acting like I think I'm something, you know, if they, if people mm-hmm. want to talk to me about it or whatever, then that's great. Or especially it's odd to be like recognized out hunting, which I'm sure has happened to you before. That's a really surreal thing, but I tend to just kind of, I feel, and I feel odd if I ever bring it up to people other than like close friends. I mean, but yeah, I agree. Only place I've ever been recognized is the waterfowl show. You got to get a lot of people to duck hunt in the same area for me to have a chance of being recognized. Have you had a lot of guys approach you out hunting, Josh? Um, I don't think when I've been out hunting, no, other than a couple game wardens. But um, <laughs> let's see. Generally, most times when I go to Shields or uh, Bass Pro, one time, a couple times in Walmart. That's about it. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. I'm like, hey, dude, how are you? Uh, I'm the guy from the internet. Yeah. I had a guy pull up at North a campsite and roll down his window. He's like, you're the guy that makes those hunting videos. And he's like, you know, 16-year-old, and he's just staring at me. And I'm like, uh, what am I? What do you want me to say to that? Hi. Actually, You know, actually, the number one place that I've been recognized is in bars. Not gonna lie, I was just sitting there playing pool one night with my girlfriend. And this dude goes, "Hey, are you outdoor limits?" Like, yeah, and I just struck up a conversation with him for forty-five minutes. My girlfriend played a game of pool by herself. Never hear the end of that one. <laughs> Not a good move. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I went turkey hunting with a dude. So, oh, is that the guy that was taking you out turkey hunting? Yeah, I actually met him in a bar. Nice. Yeah. North Georgia Outdoors. Us. How many? How many bands do you have? None. Elliot? Well, in my 25 years, I only have two. We shot one last season in my group, but I didn't get to keep it. So I got two Mallard Drakes, one from my local area and one from out. My first one was at the bottoms, which was cool. Uh, what cameras do you guys use? Uh, I've got a Nikon D5200. I've got a Panasonic HCV 770 and I just purchased this off season, a Canon G, I can't remember, G40, I think. I use the Panasonic G7. And then Clayton, uh, Clayton asked, dog or no dog? Ah, if it's a good dog, I'll hunt with it, but I've only hunted with one good dog and it was about eight months old, but I don't, nobody has dogs to hunt with. That I hunt with so I'm are you really... planning on down the road um is that in your is that in your plans or you just prefer not or what, what what's your thoughts so my plan is i'm gonna get a dog after i graduate college it's kind of like a graduation present and um so the dog i actually want is a springer spaniel i've always wanted one and you know you can take them duck hunting but sure. if i can take a duck hunting great if i don't great i don't care i, I can get it done without a dog but um 
I've always wanted a Springer Spaniel, so that's going to be my first dog. And if I get a lab after that, that's going to be the duck dog. Well, a Spaniel can certainly do it. All right, so are you a big dog guy? Like yeah, you I love dogs. pets your whole life and I've, stuff? I've never had a dog, never had pets, except for yeah. some fish. I know for me, we to... once I started, once I had my first dog and hunted the first dog, it's like, oh, man, I could never go back. It's just mm-hmm. something. It's not, it's not about what they do in the field. It's not oh, yeah. really well, unless it's really mushy mud. Then it's about what they do in the field. But it's just about <laughs> them being there in the bond. Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun watching them work. Yeah. But you have to uh, talk to Barton Ramsey. He his first hunting dog was a a spaniel as well, and then obviously he trains all the the labs. Yeah, he's a guy at Southern Oak Kennels. He's and he's cool. Yeah. Um, and then Carl asks, what? is going to be josh's occupation um at this point i've got i'm gonna be graduating with a business degree so business management and so from there uh this past few summers i've worked actually past four summers i've worked in outdoor ministries so i think that's where i really want want to go and it's where i feel called to go is in outdoor ministries so i'm going to try and look for some opportunities in outdoor ministries after I graduate. So then I would assume that faith plays a pretty big part in your life. Yeah. My dad's a pastor. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. I I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. Very cool. We're starting up a new side channel called FDH and faith this year that my dad's got a bunch of videos sitting on where Mm -hmm. we can, I don't want to pound my channel with it because that's not why people are there, but you know, every now and then like every six or seven hunt, we'll do a real short prayer at the beginning and then move on. And so I'm, I'm using it to just kind of funnel people that are interested in it, you know, over mm-hmm. that way. But that's really cool to hear. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that about you. Yeah. That's cool. and I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in outdoor ministries with duck hunting as an aspect is to take people out, like different retreat groups can come to a hunting lodge and then you take them out hunting and then you can spend the days when you're inside not doing any hunting. You can do that to do different uh, faith-based organization stuff so you can do different bible studies and just kind of have um, a time of fellowship with those people that you're there with while doing some hunting on the side i am so thrilled to hear what you're saying <laughs> well done that's awesome lone star Duckman asks, any tips for hunting a pond out of a layout blind grass you need lots of grass and make sure it's not at a weird angle Cause there's been times where we're sitting on a weird angle and my feet are just like at the very edge of my blind. And I'm, I can't see out of it. So try and get on level ground if you can. Um, and then I found like with my green head gear blind, it's not made for sitting at an angle. Like the way it's designed is to be flat and then the doors open really easily. And then the bar by my shins, that's not supported by anything except for the doors. So if I'm at an angle, that bars on my shins and that's not very fun. So grass it in really good and find level ground. Max sellers ask, are you going to hunt together? And we've already asked that we we've already answered rare stuck. And then when did all you start hunting? I think the biggest part about like hunting with other people that I've noticed because with the channel, you get tons of invites and everything. And, and I would be more than happy to hunt with you sometimes. So I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to do it, but it's like you get your hunting group and it's kind of an expected every weekend thing. And it just becomes difficult to like 
um, just jump on lots of other, I find that, that part of it difficult, but you're certainly, certainly welcome to hunt with us at any point. Come and get in a river hunt if you want. Yeah, sure. I think that'd be cool. This year's going to be a little different for me because the group is just kind of splitting apart at this point. Luke moved to Texas, Lane's in Oklahoma, and it's just me and Trey here right now. So I'm planning on doing a lot of traveling at this point. I mean, I've got my fields and everything. I've got permission on a lot of properties so far. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of solo hunts this year, which I know a lot of people are looking forward to. Well, if you ever want to come up this way, I'll show you around the marshes up this. I don't think you know them very well. And I'd be happy to show you around and get you on some hunts if you want to. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Especially early season when I don't have birds. Well, we'll see. I mean, we're 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 hurting lack of water here pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they'll be around. But this year, I don't know. We're going to see how it's going to be because we need – we want some of the complexes up here can't even pump water at all because of the lack of water. So it's going to yeah. be an interesting year, but I'm, I think we're going to focus on maybe big lakes and mud flats and try to set out some really massive spreads. And that's what yeah, you're always welcome to, to come up. If you're hunting solo and you want to come this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate it. So how many more questions we want to take? I think um, uh, we've been going about one twelve. I think it's probably good to <laughs> wind it down. All right. Thanks for all the questions guys. Uh, I guess anything else we want to add on well, this before we, uh... I don't think so. Other than Josh throwing out all his social media links and all that stuff. It's been awesome having him on. I've had people asking me so many times over the last few years when we we're going to do some form of collaborative thing that, and I've been wanting to. Um, so it's really, really great to have you on and, and talk to you. Yeah, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys. Well, where, where can people find oh, sorry. you? Yeah, yeah, where, give all your links and, uh, just go ahead and find me on YouTube at outdoor limits. And then Instagram is outdoor dot limits. Um, Twitter outdoor underscore limits. Facebook is outdoor dot limits, I believe. Um, and then Snapchat, which is a pretty big one for me is KS Fisherman. So it's, I kind of kept that one just to have that little, little nugget of the old, yeah. <laughs> Sweet deal. Well, thanks for everyone for joining us tonight. Thanks, Josh, for joining us. And uh, that's all we got, guys. And we'll see you again next week. And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining us on another episode, as usual. And thanks for making it all the way to the end. We really appreciate you guys. We couldn't do this without you. Um, and if you guys could do us a big favor, please drop us a review. It helps us out a ton. Please share this podcast with your buddies, with your friends. Um, hunting season's coming up, guys. It's going to be getting crazy, and we're so ready for it, and we hope you guys are too. So we'll see you guys next week. Let's go.